Humane Nature is an animal tourism podcast with discussions of animal abuse, injury, and medicine. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, travelers. Thank you so much for listening again today. And big news, Humane Nature is a year old now. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe that I have been doing this podcast for a year. I know I took a little bit of a break there at the beginning when I was still figuring out scheduling and all of that good stuff, but thank you for being with me on this first year of this journey, and I am so excited. So many of you may have seen my big announcement last week that Humane Nature turned a year old on my social media channels and it really took me off guard. I got like an email notification and yeah, it just, it really took me off guard and I'm, I'm so excited, but yay, Humane Nature's year old now. Also, from now on, when I do episodes on individual zoos, sanctuaries, and aquariums, they will be labeled zoo review instead of destination highlights because not all of them are going to be recommended. I am going to start talking about some not-so-great places to visit, um, places that I have been to or maybe are making headlines in the news, and they will be more zoo reviews rather than destination highlights and we will you know decide together at the end whether this is a decent place to visit or not well today we are going to be talking about seattle's woodland park zoo as our next zoo review it is a zoo that i i have visited here in seattle um where i live am living currently and uh we're gonna go through how the zoo was founded the maybe not so great history that they've gone through and what it is like to visit there today. Woodland Park Zoo was first opened in Seattle in 1899. The land was first owned by a guy named Guy Finney. (laughs) It was originally his giant estate that the city of Seattle purchased. Finney was a lumber baron who owned a very large English park, a formal rose garden, a large wild deer herd, and an animal menagerie. And we have discussed what an animal menagerie is in the past. I believe we first mentioned it in my episode about the history of circuses. So an animal menagerie is like early stages zoo. It's kind of what we think of when we think of like an unethical zoo now, where it's a bunch of animals kind of pushed together and in really small cages meant to be looked at meant to be on like I want to say exhibit but we call zoo like good zoos having exhibits but yeah you guys know what I mean so that is what a menagerie is and although we don't really use that term today these there are still animal exhibits encounters uh, zoological parks whatever that are menagerie-esque out there so the his wife Guy Finney's wife sold the city the land of the estate after his death for five thousand dollars cash which today would be about one hundred and seventy eight 
$3,400 and the assumption of a $95,000 mortgage, which today would have been worth over $3.3 million. So she got off pretty great. She was not really able to deal with the upkeep of all this land because it was almost 100 acres of land with all these gardens, all these animals, and a an actual like trolley to let people get around. So the city purchased this land and hired the Olmsted brothers, who were a couple of really, really famous architects who did parks mostly. And they actually designed Central Park in New York City and a few other very famous places in the United States and around around Europe. Uh, so they hired the Olmsted brothers to design the new park from Finney's estate. The brothers decided to follow the contours of the natural landscape, creating the incredible zoo we see today. So if you've ever visited Woodland Park Zoo or if you plan on visiting it, one of the really great things about the zoo is they really use the you know, hills and valleys of Washington State's land and, and they really incorporate it with a lot of their exhibits to make them look more natural and you know, work with the land rather than against it. The zoo opened with Finney's Animal Menagerie as well as another menagerie that was owned by the Lake Washington Cable Railway and housed at Leshy Park. So these two menageries kind of came together and the zoo was made. So by 1904, in the early stages of the zoo, they had elk, bear, deer, eagles, a pair of ostriches, and a cotamundi, which is kind of like a raccoon type animal, um, but it is not native to the United States. <laughs> the zoo quickly acquired some ponies and began offering pony rights to kids, and the zoo steadily grew and improved through city funds, so it is owned by the city even still today. So city funds and private donations then and now help fund the zoo, help fund the research, and help them grow and improve. The Woodland Park Zoo did earn its AZA accreditation in 1982. The AZA was only formed in like the late 70s, so it, it did earn this accreditation pretty quickly and has been accredited ever since. So remember, all AZA accredited zoos and aquariums must maintain ever-changing high standards of animal care, park maintenance, and guest accommodations. They also must continuously be active in conservation projects and research, and Woodland Park Zoo is no exception. All AZA accredited zoos are nonprofits. And be sure to listen to my podcast that thoroughly explains what the AZA is and does. Um, that is episode 11. Um, I would definitely go back and listen to that, um, maybe even before you listen to this episode, because it'll really make some of this make more sense if you really know what the AZA is and how AZA zoos operate differently than like roadside zoo attractions. I also wrote a pretty quick article if you don't have time to listen to that longer episode. So I will link that article I wrote in the description if you would like to learn more about what AZA zoos are in comparison to, to other zoos. So there is a bit of like not so great history behind Woodland Park Zoo. Every zoo, even the fantastic ones, have had some not so great moments. They've had those moments where they have bitten off more than they can chew, realize that they don't really know how to care for an animal properly. They haven't done enough research, you know, and Woodland Park Zoo has 
had one of these moments as well. So Seattle residents fought to end the housing of Asian and African elephants at Woodland Park Zoo after their enclosures were criticized. So I did find a blog that Woodland Park Zoo had been featured on called In Defense of Animals. Oh, this blog said that In Defense of Animals listed Woodland Park Zoo as top 10 worst zoos for elephants multiple times. And although through the links on the blog were broken and I could not find any mention of Woodland Park Zoo on the site of In Defense of Animals, which is a nonprofit at the time of recording this episode. So either In Defense of Animals took it down because Woodland Park Zoo improved or it never existed. So it's you take that with a grain of salt. I could not find any proof that Woodland Park Zoo was rated, you know, top 10 worst zoos for elephants, although some of the things I did read about their elephant enclosures are not so great. I did find multiple sources that stated the elephants showed typical stress behaviors, such as swaying, pacing, and head bobbing, and uh, many of them had foot injuries, which if you have listened to my elephant episodes in the past, foot injuries are the most common injury for elephants in captivity, but also extremely deadly, and a few had died from dangerous elephant herpes viruses. There was also a lack of vital space so they had very very small enclosures for for elephants especially the zoo was sued by the animal league defense fund in 2010 representing the citizens of seattle and the elephant area of the park was closed in 2014 with the last two surviving elephants named Chai and Bamboo given to the Oklahoma City Zoo, who at the time had a large social herd. I have not been to the Oklahoma City Zoo, but they I do believe they still have a larger herd of elephants. But yes, overall, um, Woodland Park Zoo tried to keep both Asian and African elephants, and it really sounds like they had a really hard time with it. I imagine they tried their best, but like we've discussed in the past, elephants are extremely difficult to care for in captivity. They need a a ton of space, a lot of enrichment because they're so intelligent and really, really specialized veterinary care. And it kind of sounds like Woodland Park Zoo kind of bit off more than they could chew with having these elephants and it just wasn't a great situation even if they were trying their best at the time. So I could not really find any other negative press about the zoo outside of the poor history with the elephants and unfortunately really bad history with elephants is not uncommon in zoos around the United States. So we have really bad history with captive elephants, whether it be in circuses or zoos, unfortunately. And uh, it seems like Woodland Park Zoo was not the exception in that. So go ahead and listen to episode two to learn more about why elephants require such specialized care and why they are so hard to care for. They really need to belong if they need to be in some kind of captive setting, whether they have been rescued, whether they were, you know, orphaned and, and, and rescued, whatever. They really need to be in a specialized, like, sanctuary. And because as of right now, it is very difficult for zoos to properly care for elephants. Every zoo, 
including the best of AZA accredited zoos, has made a mistake or two in their past. In my opinion, if they grow and strive to do better, they are still an ethical place to go. So even though Woodland Park Zoo has this kind of crappy history with elephants, they no longer have the elephants and they did right by them. They sent them to a better place who could provide better care for them and they have not gotten more. So it seems like they have learned. They listened to the people who were telling them that maybe this wasn't the best situation and they seem to have learned and grown from that. So I do give them credit for that. For just a second, let's think about the worst that could happen during a vacation. Maybe your expensive camera broke while on an African safari. Maybe your luggage was lost on your way to Europe or your flight was canceled altogether. Maybe you got sick in South America and had to spend a few days in a hospital. Luckily, you booked travel insurance before your trip. Travel insurance protects you in all of these scenarios and more. I always use World Nomads because their coverage makes the most sense for me as a traveler who frequently participates in adventurous activities, visits multiple countries per trip, and carries expensive equipment for my blog and podcast. Check out World Nomads rates for your next trip abroad using the link in the description. As a frequent traveler, the number one question I get from others is how I manage to find affordable flights around the world. My answer, Skyscanner. Skyscanner searches through multiple airlines to find you the best deal. But what makes it different from other platforms? If you are flexible on your days, you have the option to select cheapest month to truly find the most affordable flight. Fixed dates but flexible on your destination? Select everywhere and find the most affordable destinations for your time. My favorite way to find affordable flights is by selecting both cheapest month and everywhere. That way I could find some incredibly affordable flights from my home airport and discover some new destinations I never thought I would explore. Start planning your next vacation for free with Skyscanner using the link in the description. So let's talk about Woodland Park Zoo today. So Woodland Park Zoo sees about 1.4 million foreign and domestic visitors a year. It is a very big zoo. Lots of people go and visit. Um, It is actually included if you go to, if you visit Seattle, Seattle does have a city pass that offers like super discounted tickets for multiple of the really popular destinations around Seattle and Woodland Park Zoo is one of them on there. So lots of people go to visit it and for good reason, spoiler alert, I really loved this zoo and I will get into it a little bit later. It houses and manages the largest living collection of animals in Washington state with over 1,000 animals representing more than 300 species, including 40 endangered species and 17 threatened or or vulnerable species. And the park is about 92 acres. So very large park. 
Woodland Park Zoo was also one of the very first zoos in the world, not just in the country, but in the world, to use landscape immersion exhibits where animals are completely surrounded by naturalistic landscapes that mimic their natural environment. So the first one they built was in 1975 for their gorillas, and their gorilla exhibit was outstanding. And it was kind of like like a fishbowl kind of in shape, uh, but following the natural contours of the land, they had like a waterfall in there. And it is built this way so that visitors can still see the gorillas, but the gorillas view of the people are blocked as much as possible and they are surrounded by kind of landscape as they would be in the wild so it really mimics their natural environment this also helps mute stressful acoustics so it it does help keep the exhibit much quieter both for the animals and the people visiting so if you do notice if you're going to visit the gorillas at woodland park zoo it's not very loud in like the visitor viewing area, and which was really, really nice. It wasn't really echoey. I, I didn't feel like overcrowded or overwhelmed because it was noisy. And um, this also helps limit acoustics for the animals. So they are much more comfortable. This design won numerous awards for this technique and influenced hundreds of other zoo spaces, spaces around the world. And a lot of spaces, when they are creating new exhibits, that's what I was thinking of, when they are creating new exhibits, most of these new exhibits are copying this immersion design technique. And it's really fantastic. So as an AZA zoo, they do need to be involved in conservation projects. So here are the ones that they are involved in as of recording this in September 2022. They have the Living Northwest, which is a program focused on recovering threatened species in the Pacific Northwest and helping people and wildlife coexist in the surrounding areas. And a big part of this, they just opened a new area of the zoo devoted to Pacific Northwest species. And unfortunately, it was under construction whenever I last visited. So I will need to go back and give you guys some photo updates like on my Instagram about that. They're also participating in the Tree Kangaroo Conservation Program, which is uh, working with local communities in Papua New Guinea to protect the endangered tree kangaroo and its habitat. Yes, there is a such thing as a tree kangaroo. They're super cool. They are involved in various conservation with various um, conservation partners and with wildlife survival plans through monetary donation and breeding programs. They currently participate in 111 species survival plans through controlled breeding, which is a really important thing that AZA zoos do. They do controlled breeding to provide animals to other zoos, to release out into the wild, to expand genetics, to make sure that further families of threatened and endangered species are further protected by increasing their genetic diversity and also by um, increasing their overall populations. They're also participating in a Western Pond Turtle Reintroduction Program where they collect eggs from local wetlands around around Seattle, Seattle State, <laughs> around Washington State. 
These turtles are hatched, raised at the zoo, and then released when they are large enough to avoid most predators in order to help their populations around the state. They also have a similar program with Oregon silver spot butterflies. So same thing, they collect eggs, they um, let them hatch at the zoo, they raise them up, and then they release them in their natural habitats. Woodland Park Zoo has won a lot of awards and recognitions. I'm not going to go over all of them, but I am. I just want to go over some of the um, highlights of them so you guys can really understand how great the zoo is. So they have won over 65 awards across multiple categories. The American Humane Society awarded Woodland Park Zoo with the Humane Certification for Animal Welfare in 2017. They became only the 10th certified institution in the country for this award, so it is a very big deal. They are also the first ever certification program. Oh, sorry. This certification program was the first ever devoted to helping verify treatment of animals living in zoos, aquariums, and conservation centers around the world. So really big deal. They've also won multiple Best National Exhibit Awards from the AZA. They've won Best New Zoo Exhibit in 2010 from the AZA for their penguin exhibit. They've won multiple research awards and species survival plan awards from the AZA. And they have actually won the second most awards from the AZA in the country. First place going to the Bronx Zoo in New York City, which I desperately want to go to. I have not been to yet. So excellent job on that. They've won awards based on building techniques as well, both their physical buildings and their exhibits, their use of green energy, and landscaping because they use a lot of landscaping in the exhibits, but they also have a lot of really wonderful gardens and plants around the zoo itself. I'll provide a link in the description of all of the awards they have won. Um, I found a really nice list of them if you would like to read through all, every single one of them. But there's a lot. <laughs> They've won a lot. So my personal experience at Woodland Park Zoo. I first visited Woodland Park Zoo in early 2022. I believe it was in March. It was very cold when I was there. Uh, the pictures I have of me there, I'm in a winter coat and gloves. Um, it was uh, a very cold early March day in Seattle. So it was kind of rainy, pretty cold, pretty overcast. But most of the animals loved it and they were there out and very active. The park organizes exceptions by bioclimatic zones instead of country or continent, for the most part, with some animals getting an entire section. So the following are their exhibits. The African Savannah, Assam Rhino Reserve, Australasia, Molbach's Butterfly Garden, Humboldt's Penguin Exhibit, Living Northwest Trail, Temperate Forest, Trail of Adaptations, Tropical Asia, Tropical Rainforest, and an educational area with some ambassador animals. Every single one of the exhibits were absolutely fantastic, but a few of them really stood out to me, and I want to talk about those for just a second. So the zoo has a lot of these bird walks, so more than one. Um, there was I think one in every large section of the zoo. 
And these were like these big screened in areas. Think of like a screened in greenhouse type thing with free flying birds and well-maintained gardens with the birds natural foliage. Foliage. Oh my goodness. Foliage. (laughs) So they would fit in with whatever area of the park you were in the birds from those bioclimactic areas, but they were really, really cool. Um, Getting to see the birds actually fly around and pick where they wanted to perch and have really large amount of space. Um, Some of the areas had like, you know, just like ducks and geese and things, things that you would see around anyway, but they had like really, really beautiful gardens to walk through. Um, Some with like ponds and waterfalls and flowers and all these different birds. It was really, really beautiful. And I really enjoyed every single one of them that I walked through. Woodland Park Zoo also has exceptional primate exhibits, which I'm usually extremely critical of. So these exhibits were like exceptional and beautiful for their lemurs, orangutans, and gorillas. All of them were full of natural foliage and waterfalls and lots of enrichment items. And a couple of them, I watched a baby gorilla. So when I was there, there had been a recent birth for the gorilla, the family of gorillas there. And there was a baby um, learning how to forage leaves from his mother. So I got to sit and watch a mother with her baby gorilla teaching him how to forage leaves from this big, big branch of leaves that they, they had gotten down. And that was just absolutely amazing. I also got to see an adult orangutan on a platform, kind of like in his indoor part of his exhibit. And he was coloring on the floor of it with chalk, which was really, really cool. So not all enrichment needs to be natural. I've talked about this before. Um, It's a big thing of what I studied in, in college, but enrichment is any item that's obviously safe. You don't want to give an unsafe item, but any item that will encourage them to forage or to problem solve or to decrease boredom or anything like that. So it is really difficult to find new and exciting pieces of enrichment for intelligent animals such as these great apes. And seeing this orangutan up on a perch looking kind of like a three-year-old hovering over his little piece of artwork was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And I did take a video of it and I will post that on my Instagram for you guys to see. And finally, um, they have a really excellent Chilean penguin exhibit. So this was a massive outdoor area for the penguins to enjoy. All of the birds seemed very well socialized and exhibited very relaxed behaviors. So no pacing, no bobbing. Some of them were just kind of like sunbathing. Some of them were swimming. And this big um, outdoor area, you can see under the water in areas. You could see um, above the water. Um, So you had a clear view of all the penguins, but it was a really, really, really big area. I, I think the biggest penguin house I've ever seen. And so Seattle's weather mimics Chile's weather, where these penguins come from, but just reversed to opposite, like, so so Chile is about as far away on the equator, maybe a little further as Seattle is, but in the opposite direction. So their summer is our winter and vice versa. So our weather patterns in Seattle mimic Chile's, but reversed. And 
the penguins were really, really enjoying themselves because they're, they kind of are in their natural type habitat being in, in the Seattle weather. The few keepers that I was able to speak to around the zoo were very kind and knowledgeable, very giving with their time. Every exhibit was full of both natural and man-made enrichment items to encourage natural behaviors and prevent boredom. My biggest issue with the park. So as of 2022, me visiting, elephants are no longer there. That is not an issue anymore. My current biggest issue with the park when I visited was that many of the exhibits I really wanted to see were closed for maintenance. And these closures were not listed on their website or posted at the front of the park. I did not find out that these exhibits were closed until I was standing in front of the locked entrance of the exhibit. Um, most of these were like the indoor exhibits, like the rainforest exhibit. There was like a bug, you know, like nocturnal house. And I was very excited to see those, but um, they were closed. So I did visit during off season. So if you're in Seattle in the summer or fall, this likely will not happen. So they will do their ma- like park maintenance and stuff in the off season, obviously, as um, they're going to see more tourists during the busy season. And um, there are quite a few tourists in Seattle from like late spring. So like late April, early May through like October is is the kind of busy season. If you are visiting in winter or spring, you can call ahead to check for exhibit closures. And I definitely would if there is one that you really wanted to see just to make sure that it is not closed because I was, as much as I loved the zoo when I was there and from what I saw, I was really disappointed that I didn't know that some of these exhibits were closed. Overall though, I have nothing but great things to say about the exhibits I did see, including the appearance and behavior of all the animals that day. So I didn't see any signs of stress. I didn't see any signs of like anxiety, anything like that. I do always keep a lookout for that. It's just kind of, I uh, have a degree in biopsychology and animal behavior. I took a lot of animal behavior lab type courses. So it's kind of like a second nature to me now just to watch animals behavior and kind of watch what they're doing and, and observing it, making sure that they're okay. And I didn't see any negative behaviors there. And while I don't know every tiny little behavior of every single animal I saw, I didn't see anything obvious. So um, that is a really, really good thing. Also, something really good to know if you're visiting, Woodland Park Zoo does not use paper maps in an effort to limit trash in the park, which is awesome. Um, However, there were not a lot of posted maps around the park from what I saw. So definitely download a map onto your phone from their website before you go, or they have a QR code at the front of the park that you can download the map onto your phone if you have a smartphone, and that'll also give you the hours for like events happening that day, like keeper talks, things like that. So let's talk ticket prices. I love discovering new podcasts about interesting topics. And recently I found Tea and Gemstones. Tea and Gemstones is a show about all things jewelry and gemstones, historical and modern jewelry trends, how certain gems are formed, and even how wars have been fought and leaders dethroned all because of jewelry. I've always loved learning about gemstones, and I even have a non-traditional engagement ring of my own made of tanzanite and topaz. 
Listen to Tea and Gemstones on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Tea and Gemstones. Do you have an awesome podcast idea but aren't sure where to start? I personally use Buzzsprout to host my podcast because it's easy and affordable. Perfect for a new podcaster. They help me list all of my episodes across podcast platforms, provide detailed analytics on how my podcasts are doing, and provide expert support when I need it. Host your podcast on Buzzsprout today and earn a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid subscription. Podcasting doesn't have to be hard. Join Buzzsprout today using the link in the description. Hey, so ticket prices. During their busy season, April 1st to September 30th, it is $26.25 for adults 13 and up, $16.25 for adults 3 through 12, children under 3 are free. In the off season, which is October 1st through March 31st, it is $18.25 for adults 13 and up, $12.50 for children 3 to 12, children 3 and under are free. And if you are someone with a disability, they give you a automatic $2 off of your ticket and they do have one-on-one aids provided by the zoo um, and they are complimentary and I want to talk about that for just a second because I've never seen a zoo do this before so these aids include trained sighted guides and deaf interpreters if you are blind or deaf the zoo is free of most physical barriers and is very wheelchair accessible. So um, you shouldn't have very many issues on that front. And nearly every bathroom I went to had a, uh, a wheelchair accessible stall. If you need an aid, please call the park before you visit. They say at least 14 days before your visit so that they can have an aid on hold for you um, and reserve them for you for the, your visit. So their number is 205-548-2450. And I will also have this number in the description for you to save if you are planning on visiting. If you have a service animal, there are additional steps for those of you with service animals as well due to many of the animals in the park being extra sensitive to the presence of other animals they are not used to. So they do allow service animals but you do need to go through a few extra steps just to keep the animals in the park safe. And you can call that same number um, that I said and in the description um, with any questions. And they have kind of this questionnaire that on their website that you will have to fill out before you are allowed to bring in your service animal. There are also additional discounts for seniors, um, 60 plus, and active and retired military members. They also have um, some add-on tickets that I can talk about. So they have a Critter Connections ticket that will give you a keeper talk with three ambassador animals during your visit for an additional $25 per person. So these are not private. They are in small groups, so you will be with other people. These sell out very, very fast. So if you wanted to do this, it's really great if you've got little ones. They sell it really fast, so try to book them as early as possible. And these are no-touch experiences. So you will be able to get up close with the animals and learn about them from keepers and get to ask the keeper lots of questions. But you will not be able to touch the animals. They don't believe in that, and they 
agree with all the research that says it is typically stressful for the animals and they just want to avoid it. They also have a wild meet and greet and these are very expensive. They are between three and $500, uh, but for private groups up to 15 people. And that price does include the tickets to enter the park. So again, this is for a private group. So if you're going um, with a large group of people, lots of kids, maybe family reunion, school trip, anything like that, this could be great. They use wildlife ambassador animals, so maybe something a little more exotic than their normal ambassador animals for the keeper talks, but these are also no-touch experiences. The zoo also offers behind-the-scenes tours, virtual events, they host concerts, and a few other events throughout the year. I highly encourage you to check out their website, and I will link that in the description of their of their of the different events throughout the year. There is one that involves like a beer garden that I have not been to and I am very excited to do it. I believe it's in the spring, so I will keep you updated on that. So in conclusion, Woodland Park Zoo is one of the best zoos that I have visited in terms of animal enrichment and use of natural exhibits. I highly, highly recommend you visit. It's a little pricey in terms of zoos, um, as you can hear from those ticket prices. But remember, Woodland Park Zoo is a nonprofit. So every dollar that you spend on tickets, on concessions, on whatever it is, um, once you're inside the park, all of that goes back to the zoo. All of that goes to paying the keepers. All that goes into wildlife research. All of that goes into conservation efforts. So they get the majority of their money from ticket sales, private donations, and then um, some tax money from the citizens of Seattle. Remember to check out my Instagram for some old school photos of Woodland Park Zoo. Those are always really fun, even if they aren't the most like ethical um, cages and things. It is really cool to see like old pictures of zoos to see how much they've grown, as well as photos from my own experience there. And patrons your photos will be posted on patreon so you can see them early when this episode comes out for you guys a week early and for all of you remember to leave a five-star review and follow humane nature wherever you are listening and follow me on facebook twitter and instagram at stumble safari thanks and i will hear you next time Sources for today's show can be found in the link in the description. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you would like to listen to Humane Nature a week early and ad-free, be sure to subscribe to my Patreon at patreon.com slash humane nature pod.